0: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The boyhood dream has come true! Uh, Oh! to find out how ugly mankind can really be. Myself and the clique are gonna dance all over your face. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Welcome,
1: everyone. It's the bloody cult classic Raw review, innit? Here we are, back once again with the ill behavior. Uh, looking back at Raw from 1996 of all places, and who? B, we, well, I, B, fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, cultaholic, uh, n- n- oh god, I've ruined the intro, Jack, what happened? My head fell off during the intro, Jack Atkins is there as well, hello.
2: I'll tell you, you are, you are seen to be Impact Wrestling's in-ring announcer, man, I fucked it up as well, it's Tom Yay! Campbell.
1: candle. <laughs> starting again, we'll keep this in, but we're starting again, clack, clack. Welcome everyone, it's the Cultaholic Classic Review, as the Ultra Cultaholic lads uh, are getting themselves prepared for Survivor Series, and probably CM Punk coming back, why the fuck not? We're here via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean back in the heady, steamy, heady, needy days of 1996, on our way to our own Survivor Series, the one where an old man gets hurt. And who be Ivy Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, Dave Penza Approach approved ring announcer for impact wrestling and i am joined by my mulligan to my o'hare the rambunctious jackie orlando jackie how you doing
2: i'm not too bad and i've been approved by nobody and that's how i like it
1: you have been approved by me and uh west Mercia constabulary
2: <laughs> that's that's fine yeah as long as i'm in the clear that's all that matters
1: 100 that you are how's your day been jackie
2: uh all right a little busy so far that you're yeah. I'm looking forward to this evening, because I'm going to the, the, the theatre tonight. The oh! theatre. Not to watch a stage. Liverpool's glittering West End. We're going to Liverpool's London Palladium. No, um, I'm not even going to watch anything on stage. The Talking Heads movie, Stop Making Sense, has been re-released by A24. It's out in the cinemas, but the Liverpool Philharmonic are just like, we're showing it for one night. So I was like, well, oh, get tickets to that. Lovely. No, nice. so.
1: well, it's a lovely night out at the theatre. Uh,
2: yeah, I hope so. Um, but it's getting a bit warm here, so I'm not happy about that. But apart from that, I'm well, Tom. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm all right too. I'm off to the theatre as well. By the time you hear this, London's glittering West Because <laughs> us theatre bastards in all our glory. Uh, yes, uh, we're going to see Frozen uh, in, in London. It was Alex's birthday present from back in May. So we're going to see that, and then and then we're doing just just basic bitch London touristy shit while we're there. Yeah, because <laughs> because it's one for our American listeners to 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 be aware of. Um, we don't go to London very often here uh, here because it's not next door like the general consensus believes. It's really not.
2: Yeah, it's well by American standards it is because it's that's like, true. From from Liverpool, I think it's like two and a half hours on the train from Newcastle. Probably add another hour on top. Um, which in America is your next door neighbour, um, but it's I I I'm one of those I really like London. I know a lot of people, even within our uh, company, dislike London. But I, I'm a big fan.
1: I don't mind it. It's sometimes mm. the prices that get me. That's the bit that really hurts the most.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's a bit Expensive. C- and and this is drawing the cost of living crisis, where the prices are ridiculous down here as well. Down yeah, here, I- up here, up here, up north. <laughs> The,
1: the, I, I I knew there was a problem where I had sheer relief when I managed to find a hotel for two nights that was under 400 quid. Oh, <laughs> i like, yeah. oh, phew, 398. Get it. <laughs> Jesus. Shocking behavior. But it, it's... It, it, the, the, the disparity is, you can either say something like, because that thing is, if I go away on my own, I'm less fussy about yeah. where I put my head. I am less fussy. 30 quid for a room, brilliant. I might be shot fine i'll take the chance be all right but it's the good lady's birthday so i want to meet somewhere in the middle i don't want to spend an exuberant amount but i don't want to meet somewhere rubbish so we'll find somewhere reputable
2: like i stayed somewhere half reputable a few years ago with my ex for my birthday in november and even though it was still reputable i definitely heard mice in the bathroom because it's (laughs) what were they doing just playing the guitar they, they were just like, oh, this this next one goes out to a very special birthday, boy. I was like, oh, you didn't. You organised this? Um, because with, with London being such a big, old city, even if you're in a really, really... Or, or, this wasn't, like, really nice, but, you know, even if you're in an alright hotel or whatever, you probably still are going to get some kind of vitamin. <laughs> so, and it's usually me. Hey! So anyway, what a pro.
1: <laughs> what a pro, ladies and gentlemen. What a pro. <laughs> uh ran the bit of podcast admin. Apologies for some of the confusion over the episodes for the last couple of weeks. Basically, we recorded in a weird wanky order. So therefore they got uploaded in a weird wanky order. So just if there is a there was there was an episode that we recorded before another episode. And we've had to take that down and move that around. My apologies. My head's been up my ass for a couple of weeks. I do all the admin on that side of things. By the time you're hearing this, it should all be back to normal. Yes. One would hope.
2: Yes. <laughs> and then, I mean, th- tomorrow after recording this, you- you're doing the, the month in review as well, aren't you? So uh...
1: Yeah, so my head's a shed at the moment.
2: <laughs> but it's, it's a shed of luxury.
1: And at some point, I've got to learn how to pronounce Rhino.
2: <laughs> Reno, do it like Rain. Jim Ross. Reino. that's <laughs> oh, that rookie Monster Reino. Rayno, I was Rayno. Just like, God damn it, Jim Ross! It's an it's well, it is a Y. I suppose I'll let you off of that one.
1: I could just torpedo my entire potential impact wrestling career by just pronouncing everyone's name wrong.
2: It's it's uh, hardcore country, Mike James. <laughs> Here comes Mouse. <laughs> Here comes Alexander Joshua. Shit. (laughs)
1: Shirley Alex. There he is. I could just ruin everything. Then Dave Penzer would never let me into the kingdom of the gods.
2: Just announce everyone as Hulk Hogan. And (laughs) taking on Hulk Hogan tonight is is Hulk Hogan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I figured I might just pronounce everybody Joe Hendry. Because I'm bound to get at least one right. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> By process of elimination.
2: And then when Joe Hendry comes out, you'd be like six, six six time snooker world champion, Stephen Hendry. Shit. <laughs> Damn it, wrong
0: cards.
2: <laughs> wrong Scottish athlete called Hendry.
1: Uh twenty-seventh, 29th of October, Newcastle, two nights in Coventry. Come, come, say hi if you if you come into the show. That'll be that'll be Captain Dickhead in the ring, <laughs> trying to remember to not say Stephen Hendry, six-time World Snooker Champion.
2: Please well, call yourself Captain Dickhead as well while you do.
1: I I think the Impact locker room will probably call me that by the end of the tour, quite naturally. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that'll be the case. Let's go back to '96, where life was simpler times. Mm. Uh, we are gonna go through the Wrestling Observer Newsletter with uh, our very own Dave Meltzer jackie meltzer there Hello. he is The royal wave there uh, he, his job uh, to take the the Sanskrit from off of the wall of dave meltzer's cave uh, to, to to work his way through the burnt papyrus that is the wrestling observer from 96 and decipher what some of the hieroglyphics mean and make jazz form on our page he will do that <laughs> for you in just a moment, let me paint the picture of this particular week uh, in 1996, November the 11th, 1996. Number one movie in the UK is Michael Collins. That, um, oh, the, uh, I've yes. never seen it, but it's uh,
2: it's um, it's Liam Neeson, isn't it?
1: That's the one. In the yeah. early 20th century, Michael Collins, played by, as you're rightly saying, Liam Neeson, leads the Irish Republican Army with the help of of his friends, Harry Boland, played by Aileen Quinn, and Omen de Valera, played by Alan Rickman, in a violent battle for Ireland's independence from Britain. When he fears, Tom says, as he finds his place on the page, (laughs) Collins negotiates a treaty with the British, deeming him a traitor to the IRA. And then... When he receives orders to murder his friends, Collins must decide where his loyalties lie. Uh, now, it generally received very positive reviews from critics, uh, but was criticised for some of its historical inaccuracies. Are you familiar with this movie at all, Jackie
2: Orlando? I'm not. I know my dad's seen it um, because I, I, for some reason, whenever I think of this, I think of my dad. Not that my dad is Irish, nor is he in the IRA. In fact, he's Welsh, if anything. Um, but <laughs> Uh, no, I've not seen it. I've always meant to because I like I like Liam. Ne- I like old Liam Neeson before they were just like oh, I just put him in films where he's punching wolves. I like <laughs> when he's got stuff to get his teeth into. But uh, no, I've not seen it. Uh,
1: number one movie in the UK is Ransom. Are you familiar with Ransom starring Mel Gibson?
2: Yes, uh, I watched ten minutes of it, and the way it was, I want to say it's Joel Schumacher. Um, because obviously it's 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 not quite the the nuanced thriller, it's more of a kind of oh popcorn thriller. And within ten minutes, there's just like a close up of some fella just kind of going, ooh, and it plays the sinister music. I was like, Oh, that's him. <laughs> right then. He's it's, done it. Ah, it's yourself. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's it's famous character actor, Dennis Quaid. I don't know if it was Dennis Quaid, but <laughs>
1: Through a life of hard work, airline owner Tom Mullen, played by Mel Gibson, has amassed a great deal of wealth. And a group of criminals want a piece of it. They kidnap his son uh, for a two million dollar, you guessed it, ransom. He was encouraged by his wife and an FBI agent uh, to pay the money. But the ransom drop goes very wrong. And he decides to turn the tables on the kidnappers and make the ransom a bounty on their heads, which he announces on national television. Oh, very exciting. Uh, Number one song in the UK, still Robson and Jerome, still hanging in there with that triple threat single they released.
2: I I have a feeling it will be be bubbling in the charts until Christmas, at least.
1: It's a crooner song that all the mums will love forever. Uh, Number one in the UK music charts. um, Sorry, number one song in the US, Macarena, is gone. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Backstreet No Diggity has officially oh. knocked Los Del Rios off the top spot.
2: Dun, 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 dun. It's going down, Fates are Black... I'm not going to do my Doctor Who. Oh, do fashion. it! Do it, you no. coward! <laughs> no. Ah, no. Oh, f- what a what a good song. It's a belter, isn't it? <laughs> I get out of my mind. I think about the girl every time. <laughs>
1: Like, it's like they're here.
2: I'm really excited today. I don't know why. It's
1: lovely. Uh William Skyle Stewart uh, was using uh, was was the man behind this. Do you know what song this samples? Uh
2: Oh, I was uh, yeah, I was reading up about this recently as well. Because I've got a playlist of samples that I'm making, but go on, hit me.
1: It samples Bill Withers Grandma's Hands.
2: Yeah, it does.
1: And people complain that nothing's new anymore. Like nothing's been <laughs> new for ages.
2: No, not at all. Um, yeah, and the reason was because I was watching Atlanta the other day, and there's an episode of Atlanta which finishes with Grandma's hands. I was like, ah, okay, that's the sample for no diggity. Yes.
1: So here was, yes. but, but the thing <laughs> is, so William Stewart was using this, and he said to his friend Teddy Riley, "Would you like to use this sample?" And uh, and they went, "No, I, I don't like it." So he said, okay, uh, Guy, my songwriting partner, would you like to use it for something? And they went, no. So Aaron Hall, would you like to use this sample for something? And they went, no. All right, how about you guys? Black Dr. Dre and Queen Penn, would you like it? And they went, all right. And then they went on to say, none of us liked No Diggity. <laughs> they wouldn't that's why i'm singing the first verse in it you know how they say they push the little one out there to see if it tastes good and see who gets egged well they pushed me out there and it became a hit and now they wish they were singing the first verse so they could have the notoriety like me that's just what i'm saying that's what they say (laughs) no one liked it but they did it anyway and it was a hit
2: well bloody hell goes to show what all those people know
1: Exactly. Uh, Upon the release of the finished recording by Blackstreet, Tupac and Death Row Records responded with a diss track containing numerous insults aimed at Dr. Dre over an instrumental sampling of, you guessed it, No Diggity. They were forced Mm. to replace the production after Blackstreet issued the label with a cease and desist order, stopping them from distributing the song. An updated version of this response is called Toss It Up and it'll be released uh, later on uh, after Tupac's death featuring Aaron Uh Hall.
2: And and this is, this we're recording this the week that they finally captured Tupac's killer after what, 20, 20
1: <laughs> Isn't it 26 years or
2: something daft, yeah.
1: I love it. We're side Jack was on the run for longer. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. So those are, those are the big pop flavours of the week. This is where uh, we hand over to Jackie Orlando, who talks us through the Resting Observer for this week.
2: hmm so it's the Wrestling Observer newsletter dated November 18th, 1996, which is three days before my eighth birthday. <laughs> well done on reading it. Uh, thank you. Um, it was a busy birthday. As you can guess, I was there being all eight and probably playing with a Ninja Turtle or something. Uh, <laughs> I will, I, I'll, I'll pre-warn you, a big chunk of this in the middle is to do with all the fallout from Pillman's Got a Gun. Obviously, you went over some of this last week, so if I if I cover all ground, apologies. But there's just a bit more on the kind of furore that's come over it and some of Dave's thoughts on it as well. But before then, the major bit, non-Pillman bit of WWF news this week. It appears that Kurt Hennig may become the latest wrestler to switch affiliations from WWF to WCW. So Hennig met with Eric Bischoff late this past week and the two sides apparently reached a verbal agreement on a deal where Hennig would return as an active wrestler. However, Titan Sports is contesting the agreement, claiming in a legal letter from Jerry McDevitt to WCW that WCW was interfering with Titan's contracts. In the letter, Titan was under the assumption that Hennig would make a surprise appearance on the November 11th Nitro show and warned WCW it would take legal action if such was the case. In any event, Hennig would not be able to use the name Mr. Perfect since the name is a WWF creation. WCW is believed to not be planned on using Hennig so quickly due to his WWF contract, with his his expected starting date with WCW being early February. Um so a bit more legal bollocks here. So Jeremy McDevitt declined to state how long Hennig was on the contract, just that the contract was valid and there was no provision in it to give 90 days notice at this time. Hennig didn't appear as a scheduled guest on Livewire on Saturday. Brackets, although circumstances during the week may have altered the planning format of that show. And the excuse they gave that he wasn't there because of problems with planes landing in New York that morning, that could have been accurate as far as there being weather problems that morning. Close brackets. Thanks, Dave. And he didn't appear as color commentator on Superstars on Sunday. And Dave suggested in the latter may be a sign that he gave away to Titan and they pulled him from the show. Um, but certainly the letter from Titan shows the company were aware of Mr. Perfect's meeting. Uh, Hennig on Monday was still being advertised as being part of Survivor Series in a managerial role with Triple H. This is the weird bit here. There was, he kept on going and going and going and going and talk about Lloyd London. At this time in 1996, Kerr Hennig is 38. He's only one year older than Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, but has been collecting for years on disability insurance. And Hennig, at 38 at this point is two years older than Barry Windham.
1: Christ. So there's something to be said about like in-ring age. Yeah. And how and how it doesn't really scan, doesn't really line up, right?
2: Yeah, because we've said this before, haven't we? When I, when I revealed to you that at this time in 1996, Doc Hendricks is in his thirties, we were just like, "No, he's not." But <laughs> it, it's 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 a hard life. It's a hard life at the end of the day.
1: It is a hard knock life for them. Mister Perfect's always uh, been an interesting one because I feel like had he gone to the WC, uh, had he oh god, I'm like Bret Hart, had he gone to WCW, <laughs> like a like sooner he might have been a part a bigger part of the nwo thang he kind of got sort of lost in the shuffle as a result of it i do think
2: i think they should have kept him in the horseman My clairvoyant powers sorry i saying they should have kept him in the horseman (laughs) who knows if he'll even join um but yeah i i always liked mr perfect and he's one of those that i i i I liked him as a kid but then looking back on it as a, a grown up i'm just like god he was really bloody good wasn't he he was really good so good So we've got some, Pillman's got a gun fallout. So we mentioned last week, I think you yourself mentioned that USA Network were, you know, aware of this and they'd gone over it with the WWF and all these, you know, all these bits and bobs that it was approved basically. So all the controversy led to the USA Network, which was in the angle from the beginning, trying to distance itself from the angle and apologizing, saying they'd never let something like this happen again and claiming to have had no knowledge as to the extent the angle was going to be taken. The WWF at first apologised for the language used in the angle, brackets which neither the WWF nor USA knew about in advance, which was the only aspect of the angle which occurred on the spare of the moment as basically Pillman, and to a lesser extent, uh, extent, Austin, got carried away with trying to make such a contrived, uh, contrived angle as realistic as possible. So basically just the heat of the moment Pillman was like, ah, fuck off, Steve Austin. Steve Austin was like, "I yeah, get swat, I'll back you.
1: <laughs> they just got carried away.
2: So, uh, you know, th- this is how... The rest of the world looks at the USA. It's it's, it's the fact that they're just like, oh, the, the gun was a bit much, but oh, you can't be swearing. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> if
1: okay. you say twat, uh, whilst you're holding that gun, we will have to bleep out the twat.
0: Mm.
2: So... It goes on about Livewire. Um, Dave says that the first somewhat fascinating segment of a disappointing Livewire television show on November 9th was suddenly off in Europe doing advanced work for a WWF tour and Todd Pettingill with non-WWF commitments. Doc Hendricks hosted the show and Vince McMahon and Jim Ross were guests. McMahon apologised for the angle, said it was all the WWF's fault and his in particular since he heads the company. He tried to divert blame away from the USA Network, which by this point was no doubt sick of the heat when it was in the midst of its own change of management. And uh, McMahon was even trying to, you know, protect the wrestlers themselves. Pillman Pillman and Austin were both on Livewire doing phone-ins, with Pillman apologising for what happened, and in particular for getting carried away with the language he used. Although McMahon downplayed Pillman having to apologise and again took all the blame. They read from emails and took phone calls from people who were both very negative and some that were positive about the angle, with McMahon taking the the tack that even if the angle was popular with the public, it was the wrong thing to do. Kevin Kelly was also on the show and explained in hindsight, it was all a publicity stunt by Austin trying to tone down the breaking and entering type of crime appeared to be on television. Noting that the minute the cameras were off, Austin left Pillman's house without an incident, (laughs) Um, which it's, it's one of those it's like, it's like with the outsiders, like a couple of weeks into it, say we're not from the WWF. No, but the seeds already been planted. No one remembers that, but everyone's just like, well, they're coming from the WWF. Oh, this is amazing. like, even though they got on TV just said, oh yeah, this was all an angle. Everyone's just like, oh Austin and Pillman. How good was that? Um, and then Dave goes on to like k- kind of talk about the, the context of, of wrestling. And I've tried to chop out as much melted jazz here, but as we all know, a couple of notes get through. He's put, remember anything that takes place on a television wrestling show is a work generally formulated and, desi- and designed to advance storylines. If anyone was really sorry about the angle, whether it be USA network or the WWF, Do you think The Angle would have been hyped to death all weekend after and shown on every Uh WWF program of the weekend? It wasn't until after The Angle had aired on every WWF television show all weekend long that Jim Ross on Superstars sanctimoniously said how the footage would never appear on WWF television again. It should be noted that on Raw the next night, The Angle was barely even alluded to. If USA was truly appalled, would that have been the case? And then he's saying... um, He's comparing it to... Obviously, we've recently had... You know, Raven getting uh crucifying sandman, and he's saying ECW never replayed that angle afterwards. They went, that was a mistake, we're sorry. They, no, don't worry about it. Whereas WWF have to be like, Oh, we're sorry about this angle. Do you want to see it again? It's pretty cool, isn't it? Oh, look, he's on the <laughs> sorry frame. about
1: that. About what about this? it's good to is it? It's
2: good that uh, so uh, he, he continues saying, perhaps Pillman pulling out the gun crossed an invisible line. But if that was the case, then WCW had crossed the first because a few years ago, Harley Race not only pulled out a gun, but shot Cactus Jack with a taser <laughs> on a pay-per-view main event. Um, uh, more recently, in a skit where the Outsiders were about to hit the ring with baseball bats, what appeared to be an entire Charlotte police force hit the ring with their hands on their guns ready to draw right there on television. So they didn't obviously say, we're going to pull out guns and shoot yeah but they were alluding to the fact that the alluding
1: to of the guns i think is uh, a big thing that dave's drawing contrast contrast with here
2: yeah um and he's saying he fails to see how this angle in any way is any worse than the cartoon violence of burying someone alive or someone falling off a five-story building it was not reacted to or portrayed nearly as dramatically as last year's angle with Shaw michaels which ultimately was successful and that Michaels seemed to increase in popularity royal rumble did a shockingly high buy rate for his return and he said you know they, they, they pretended that he had a seizure on TV after getting his head kicked in. So he said that was not very nice. Um, And he's put that it was tasteless. Just and xenophobic portrayals, particularly when young children, which are a part of almost daily personal activity, are really tasteless. A break-in scene more mild than what anyone, than what normally appears on Silk, silk Stalkings on the same night, on the same network, is just a contrived storyline. So he does have a point in that, We've seen and heard much worse in wrestling, but because it was in a squared circle, it's fine. The second you try and portray, portray it as slightly realistic, people just shit hit, hits the fan.
1: Well, I think it's what we said last week, wasn't it? Just to reiterate mm-hmm. that, it was I mean, the last episode where we said that because wrestling presents itself as real that's mm. where people take exceptions silk stalkings doesn't essentially present itself as a real life thing it it doesn't it's a drama it's very clearly a drama WWF at this point still presents itself as a real sporting event so mm. that's where the issue lies
2: so yeah so that would that was all the Pilman's got a gun go I, I try to get through that as quickly as possible because it is chunky but... <laughs> chunky boy. A few, a few more bits of uh, WWF news, and then we'll, we'll go elsewhere in the wider world of wrestling. But um, the, we haven't mentioned it for a few weeks. But a while back, there were plans for. Excuse me, I'm about to burp. There we go. Oh, I, I liked some...
1: him. Excuse me, I'm about to burp. He's my favorite wrestler.
2: It's, it's like sorry, I haven't a clue, but it's the <laughs> WWF. <laughs> So we were talking that WWF wanted to do a new television show based in the vein of ECW, a bit more risque, a bit more X-rated because we're in the Attitude Era. So the the new ECW-like television idea is tentatively called, ironically enough, Shotgun Saturday Night.
1: <laughs> you couldn't make it up, could you?
2: It's slated to start on January 4th. So the show at the... Point in time is still in the formulative stages, and that date is just a target date as opposed to being etched in stone. The idea is for uh, the idea is for Shock on Saturday Night to be a live one-hour show starting at midnight Saturday night, as to be market specific specific only in the New York region and not to be a national show. The show would be taped at a revolving series of nightclubs in New York, as opposed to small arenas, and the idea would be eventually to syndicate the show in more markets, but probably on a week delay in these other markets at the cost of doing a live show every week for syndication in that time slot wouldn't be cost-effective. Long story short, they're trying something new in New York. And I've seen clips. I never watched a full episode, but I love the idea of it.
1: Mm, the clips make me excited. Yeah. In a sexual way. It's the, the, it, it looks like if... I think I might have said it on this show. It looks like if the WWF produced North Wrestling... Yeah. Like cuz North Wrestling, which is uh, my home promotion, it's it's uh, it's out of a brewery just outside of Newcastle City Centre. So everyone's sort of piled in on each other and there's just like a real sort of fight club-esque energy to it. And Shotgun, the early stuff that we see and this first few episodes very much are that before it becomes sort of a part of the WWF's touring shows to save money, which is a shame. I think money yeah. does come into it.
2: Shall we? Shall we review that first episode? Oh hell yeah! Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do the first shotgun then. Yeah, okay. I'm looking forward to that. So, talk it right. So. Shock on Saturday Night was saying there, it was alluded to that it'd be kind of more ECW leaning. From what Dave hears, there'll be no ECW angle at Survivor Series, although eventually some sort of an angle may take place. He had one version of, of that what could happen is that WWF would name its December house shows the Holiday Hell Tour, which is the name ECW has been using for the past few years, and they'll have a pretend legal fight to be the catalyst for the angle, apparently. Um, oh,
1: how excited!
2: Yeah, a le- le-
1: legal battle, paperwork and admin.
2: It's like waiting for a new Star Wars film and it being about negotiating trade deals in space.
1: <laughs> Isn't it funny how wrestling assumes, I mean, I say it assumes, I mean, we make a living off of it. Like how mm. the belief is, all oh, wrestling do you know what wrestling fans love, they bloody love bureaucracy and politics and, and paperwork and admin. Like how many? Like think about it. The majority of the 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 wrestling storylines, the biggest trope in wrestling storylines is who is the commissioner, who is the general manager. Like, and it is that's 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 paperwork and admin that is.
2: Yeah. It's funny, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because that that's one thing that I'm enjoying about this period of RAW that we've been watching. Before we fully get into that, because obviously we have got commissioners, my clairvoyant powers again are saying commissioner Sergeant Slaughter is coming up, <gasps> which felt. Felt fresh at the time because obviously you got WWF president Gorilla Monsoon occasionally turning off to go, Oh, you bugger off. And Slaughter will feel fresh, but then they just went to the well too many times to the point where no one wants to see authority figures anymore. How
1: shocking that Sergeant
2: Slaughter feels fresh. I know. Oh,
1: they've got some Gorilla Monsoon's been doing it. Oh, we need some young blood like Sergeant Slaughter. (laughs)
2: Sergeant Slaughter in a suit, but no shirt. He's wearing a T-shirt. And...
1: <laughs> oh, it's a no shirt, like just bare chested.
2: <laughs> just like, just like Rabsy Nesbitt, just a string vest.
1: <laughs> Maggot! So, just so... wearing a bow tie, like, um, <laughs> like Frank Butcher did that time. Oh,
2: oh, oh darling.
1: He turned up wearing just a
2: spinning bow tie. <laughs> oh, God, disgusting. <laughs> Talking of things that make me feel nauseous, in his first show as commentator on Superstars, Jim Cornette made a rape joke about Sable. Oh, so, great. Yeah. Uh, It it did originally, like, the report did have the actual joke, but I'm not saying it. Um, A few minutes later, Jim Ross apologised for the joke, saying WWF doesn't want to make light of domestic violence. Cornette then very sarcastically apologised, saying he'd never want to offend anyone, and thanked Ross for taking him off Livewire, which he called the My Mother the Car of wrestling TV shows, which I don't... I should have looked to find out what My Mother the Car is, but just that as a title just made me laugh, so I left it in. (laughs) So yeah, Jim Cornette being Jim Cornette.
1: Cornette's got a Cornette, hasn't he?
2: Hmm. So two bits of WCW news and then one bit from AAA, one bit from FNW and then one bit from ECW. And then we can get right into the chunky action that is Monday Night Raw. So WCW, Dave didn't have much on the Disney tapings that took place starting November 7th and they're continuing throughout this week in question. Uh, besides uh, cyclope as a jobber, the only other newcomer at, at the taping that Dave knew of was Horace Boulder, who wasn't a jobber <laughs> and didn't look all that bad. So we, we will get to know Horace Boulder under a different name. Boulder, you say? Mm.
1: Who used that
2: name before? That's right. The Rock. The Rock is in the <laughs> view. <WCW. laughs> Bit more WCW. Uh, Hulk Hogan, sorry, Hollywood Hogan, was on Regis and Kathy Lee wearing an NWO t-shirt, explaining that he's he's the same good guy he's always been. He just plays a renegade in wrestling, so half the fans boo him and the other half cheer him. Santa with muscle, Santa with muscles is out and is getting great reviews. Gotcha. Aww. Actually, the reviews are terrible and it died in its opening weekend. Rick <laughs> Dave, you got me there, the little so-and-so. Uh. So, Triple A, we've had some fallout recently that Conan split off and formed his own kind of, like, group with his little roster of wrestlers. So, Triple A, in an effort to strike back at Conan and WCW, it appears that Antonio Pena is attempting to put together a working relationship with the WWF. The first hint of it was the television mention of La Parker going to the Royal Rumble, apparently. And there is talk that Ah. Pena will meet with Vince McMahon sometime in the future. So... Could we be seeing Triple A in the Royal Rumble, Tom?
1: Oh, we'll certainly see some representation in the Royal Rumble.
2: Oh, Jesus Christ.
1: One particular moment that is now infamous in the history of the Rumble.
2: Oh, (laughs) the greatest elimination known to man. Mm. So... FMW, Atsushi Onita, he's a card. He held a press conference on November the 12th and announced he would be coming out of retirement for the December 11th show at Tokyo's Komazawa Olympic Park Gym and he'll face Mr Pogo in Pogo's final match the original plan was for pogo to retire in may but apparently the injury suffered in the august match with terry fogg pretty well spelled the end of his career i've put this in because pogo would keep wrestling until 2016 and onita is still going so gotta love wrestling
1: (laughs) keep on keeping on i love hearing people who are retiring in 96 or like they should be retiring in 96 and uh we still talk about them in 2023 they go oh Hmm. they might be wrapping up it's like nah they never will
2: we're well, talking about famous people retiring. ECW Terry Funk is back in ECW, so he appeared on the November sixteenth show. And Dave says that this isn't a one-time deal, as the plan right now is for him to work semi-regularly for a little while. And my own notes, I've just put here: we fucking go because this <laughs> is now the start of the path towards barely legal, because we've got Terry Funk back in the company, so that's exciting.
1: Ah, oh, we are on the road, baby.
2: And uh, yeah, that is everything of note from the Wrestling Observer.
1: Thank you, Justin. Thank you. No, Justin, there's a throwback. God oh, hello, Justin, Justin off of America. Justin Henry from America, welcome in. Thank you, Jack Atkins. <laughs> and Justin, if you're listening as well. Nice Thanks, to Justin. have you there. <laughs> now, before we get into this week's episode of Monday Night Raw, uh, I did take a look at Superstars for this week, <coughs> which is now they've uploaded a whole bunch of new episodes to the WWE Network. Mm-hmm. So I took a little uh, viewing of the episode that airs before this one. It was Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler on commentary. Jim Ross and Jim Cornette on commentary, mm-hmm. uh, as you suggested. I didn't hear anything that sounded like that joke, though. Okay. I He made some comments about, like, Sonny being the most downloaded person in AOL history, a million downloads, and uh, Billy Gunn was, was part... was was the result of half a million of them. And he made some comments about 15 to 17-year-old pimply-faced uh, internet users downloading her and stuff. But I didn't hear anything, thankfully, of any of that sort of ilk.
2: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, perhaps with hindsight, they thought, oh, we should probably get rid of yes, that.
1: Yes, very likely. Uh, but this episode did feature the the the, the 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 official split of the Smoking Guns, randomly. Oh, okay. No, we're not yeah. doing it on Raw. We're doing it on Superstars. Um, Bart Gunn, teamed with Freddie Joe Floyd to beat Billy Gunn and T.L. Hopper. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Post-match, Billy Gunn uh, teased getting back together with Bart, raising his hand and saying, hey, let's go for the tag titles again, and then just lampered him with a clothesline. Only joking. Beat you up. See you later. Billy Gunn has a Smoking Guns t-shirt with Bart Gunn's face blurred out on it, which I thought was a nice little touch. (laughs) <laughs> very, very nice. Uh, we saw uh, Hunter Hurst Helmsley uh, in action on this Superstars as well. Still with Mr. Perfect. He beat Pug Porto uh, in an Intercontinental title match. So look at Pug getting a shot at the IC title this week.
2: Did they give them time? Because on paper, that sounds like it could have been quite good. They
1: had a couple of minutes. They could have certainly gone with longer, but they got yeah. a little bit of time. Uh, we saw the Sultan beat David Haskins, uh, noteworthy jobber of the 90s, Davy Haskins. We hardly knew ye. Uh, We did get, and we'll talk about it because it's on Raw this week, but we finally get a video package about Rocky Maivia. They finally tell us who the fuck this guy is. (laughs) Yes. And it gets a run out on Superstars this week. And get this for a main event for Superstars. Shawn Michaels defended the WWF title against Salvatore Sincere.
2: Wow. Okay.
1: That happened on Superstars.
2: That... Have we done a video about the 10 least, uh, the 10 most unlikely challenges for the WWF title? We should. Because Salvatore Sincere will be there. I'm sure Triple H once put the title on the line against Perry Saturn. Oh. Um, on like an episode of Heat or something. He might have done. It, here's where I've completely made that up, but I'm pretty sure he did. He
1: put it up. I know he put it on the line against Taka Michinoku in 2000. Yeah. That was a thing. Maybe Tajiri got a shot against Steve Austin. Yes, he did on SmackDown. Yeah. Did Jerry versus Steve Austin for the WWF title in 2001. So that I think there is a case for some obscure... If we haven't done yeah. one already, there's a nice little list to do there. Very nice. Yeah, so well done. Obviously, Salvatore didn't win, but he looked competitive against Shawn Michaels, the most fightingest champion in WWF history. Go on, son. Get amongst it. <laughs> to Raw we yeah. go.
2: <laughs> get it up, yeah.
1: Get it right yeah. up here, Shawn. To Raw we go, November 11th, 1996. Raw opens without any coughing in the title sequence, which is a shame. Missed it this week. But the first thing that we do see walking down to the ring, it's bloody Bulldog!
2: Oh, champion man. Come on, let's fucking go, bastard.
1: (laughs) Did you see that there is a a new set of WWE action figures coming out?
2: Oh, yes. I know exactly what you're going to say.
1: One of them is Bulldog in Jeans. (laughs)
2: He, he is a builder figure, so you have to get the whole series to put together Bulldog in Jeans, because they realised we can't just release Bulldog in Jeans because about six people would buy it. So... <laughs> you underestimate the power of Bulldog in
1: Jeans, sir.
2: <laughs> I need to get a little British Bulldog figure to just, just to represent this podcast.
1: Get get Bulldog in Jeans. <laughs>
2: I'll, I'll, get, I'll get Bulldog and jeans.
1: So you can swap out his legs for other people's?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll swap him out with... Stephanie McMahon. So, I was going to say Sonny. Yeah, Stephanie McMahon's <laughs> legs or uh, Mark Henry or... I don't know. <laughs> Diana, look at me legs, they're massive! <laughs> no, don't put swoggle legs on me again. I can't, I can't <laughs> reach the beef jerky drill if you do that. I look like baby legs from Rick and Morty. <laughs>
1: God love him. He's too... I'm too top-heavy. I keep falling over.
2: Diana, do I look like Donkey Kong?
1: <laughs> Get Diana! Get me
2: some bananas now. Give <laughs> me a
1: banana, Diana. Diana? Oh, yeah, she left. <laughs> Whoops-a-doodle. Uh, Bulldog is out with Owen Hart, because he... And they are facing Shawn Michaels and Sid with the WWF tag team titles on the line. We get a nice Mm. little recap of the Shawn and Sid miscommunication over the past couple of weeks. There's a little girl in the crowd dressed as Shawn Michaels. Bless her.
2: Did you hear Jerry Lola quoting Caddyshack when she was shown?
1: I now know why animals eat their young.
2: (laughs) But he didn't do a Rodney Dangerfield impersonation, unfortunately. No, disgusting. Yeah. Uh yeah, it was I, I think they showed that this little kid the week before cuz she was very adorable but also looked a little bit like Marty Ginetti. So perhaps it was one of Jinetti's. <laughs> Martina Martina Ginetti.
1: There's uh there's two people that have had a major impact on the population of the planet. There's Marty there's Marty and <laughs> what's his name? Vlad the Impaler. Okay. Was... <laughs> was it Vlad the Impaler
2: it's Genghis Khan Genghis, Genghis Khan not Vlad the oh, Impaler but I am now thinking of a world where uh, Bram Stoker hears the fable of Marty Genetti and creates Dracula
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bram Stoker Genetti <laughs> I kind of want to make a Marty Genetti movie <laughs> But it's based on all the bullshit that Marty Jannetty has told over the years. Like, It'd be amazing. You know how like the weird Al, Al Yankovic movie is not really yeah. a biography. It's anything but a biography.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want that that for Jannetty. <laughs> but, but still retaining the 18th uh, well, the the 19th century Dracula aesthetic. So it's just Marty Jannetty <laughs> in a leather jacket and jeans, turning up in Whitby, and saying that he's drowned people. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, good day to you, Mr. Gennett. And he's like, when I was a teenager, I possibly committed a homophobic murder. And I was like, okay, Marty, thank you.
1: <laughs> I liked it when you fought doink that time. <laughs> Genetula in cinemas oh. Friday. <laughs> Can I be in it? I'll just play man who owns butchers. <laughs> oh, what a lovely day my job. Oh, it's Gennettula. Save good
2: <laughs> Be mad at what I do. I've got more chops than Ric Flair, and I've also got more sausages than Ric Flair, <laughs> and I've got more legs than <laughs> Ric Flair. And and Rick Ric Flair is he, he doesn't own a butcher's through his shit.
1: <laughs> they have to keep stopping the movie because Bulldog keeps walking to the background and going, Who wants these sausages? You bastards. <laughs> Like, can't Dave, you've done your bit. I just thought I'd add to it. Just thought I'd give you a little bit
2: more for your money. You're welcome. I want it to be a 4D experience, so at every show I'm gonna turn up with a tray of sausages and just walk through the crowd.
1: Who <laughs> wants some sausages? <laughs> They're made of actual animals. <laughs> So I've got a list of all the theatres this is showing in so I can walk in to all the theatres and just run through with sausages. I'm going to be knackered by Wednesday.
2: I genuinely fear for this podcast for those couple of years that we don't have Davy Boy.
1: Oh, it's going to be so sad. It's going to be like a flatmate moving out.
2: I'm just going to barge my way onto the Nitro Review just for Davy Matches and go, oh, look, oh, yeah. There he oh. is. And I'll bugger up. yeah. <laughs> Bye.
1: <laughs> There's Davy. Oh, he's not as good off his shit over here.
2: <laughs> oh, this is kind of Sad. Oh, he's, yeah, he's
1: off. Oh, I feel bad taking the piss. He looks very uncomfortable.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Looks like he's. Uh, looks like moving is an issue now. Oh, that's a shame. Do you want to uh, just yourself some meat. Oh, I feel bad now. I just want to have a lie down. <laughs> Bless him. Uh, Anyway, tonight, they've defended the tag titles against Shawn Michaels and Sid, who have been falling out in lumps over the last few weeks in the run-up to their match at Survivor Series. We get a Mm. Stone Cold Steve Austin picture in picture. He's not going to apologize what happened last week at the Pillman House. He's going to keep turning the heat up, though. He also promises that once he faces Bob Holly tonight, he's going to go and find Bret Hart and kick the shit out of him. Go on, lad. Get in there, Steve.
2: (laughs) Get it up, yeah. Get it right up, yeah. (laughs) Kick seventy shades out of Bob Ali and then start a fight with Bret Hart.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's the English way. <laughs> uh, Owen tries to jump Sid from behind. It is not effective at all and uh, looks as if... Uh, it's going to be that way for a long time until Sean gets the tag and Sean gets worked over by the champs into the break. We then, during the break, get a video package about Bret Hart, mm. similar in design and aesthetic to the Steve Austin one that we had. It's partly black and white uh, with uh, footage of Bret Hart making his entrance to fireworks and, and joy. But... Uh, in the, in the voiceover, Bret Hart is putting Steve Austin over like Rover, saying, I don't want to come back and wrestle anybody. I want to wrestle him. We then get some clips from Bret's rambly-ass promo from Raw a few weeks ago, ending with Bret Hart's music and the Survivor Series logo and the date in on, on a black screen. I like this a lot. This was good.
2: Yeah, and I like the fact as well that he says he's going to kick Steve Austin's ass, but they bleeped it. And I think bleeping makes things sound edgier than it actually is. Yes. So you're just like, oh, Bret Hart swore. This is cool. The build to this match has been amazing. I think the build to Survivor Series has been very good. But even though it's not going to be a one-match show, it might as well be because this is going to be fantastic.
1: It's gonna be bloody bloody good back to the show mm. and sean Michaels will be on America online according to Vincent man for those who want to chat with Sean in cyberspace I just keep thinking of that video of sean using a laptop just pressing the buttons in
2: <laughs> and that is from in your house I think that's from is that from in your house no way out of Texas I want to say no, he was injured, he wasn't he s- wasn't
1: at the show at all
2: oh was he not mm. okay it was, it was from one that I definitely had on video as a kid then. It went, I can't remember which one. of the late one.
1: 97 ones, maybe. Okay. Um, and also from, I believe, In Your House in 2020, where yes, you had Blake yeah. Shawn Michaels and Road Dog all hanging around the laptop trying to figure out how it works. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't improved in the slightest, there
2: <laughs> Now he just writes everything with a quill.
1: Bron <laughs> Breaker. With <laughs> a lovely quill.
2: It's just a big...
1: Interesting theory by Jim Ross here. So Sean's getting beaten up for ages and Sid keeps trying to get in. And as the ref tries to get Sid out of the match, Owen and Bulldog are double teaming Sean. And it's and it's what Jim Ross says is, oh, Sid knows what he's doing. This is deliberate. Like he's staying mm. in the ring as long as he can. So Sean gets a beating. Like this is poo-pooed by uh, by. But this is poo-pooed, I think, on commentary, but I like the idea of it.
2: Yeah, it it adds another layer to it, definitely.
1: Mm, it really bloody does. Anyway, eventually, Sid does get the hot tag, and he runs wild. Choke slammed to Bulldog, wallop. Powerbomb gets countered by Bulldog with a very slow sunset flip. Sean Ow- Owen tries to attack Sid at this point, but he gets back dropped over sean and owen fight in the corner and sean sends owen packing sean goes to switch in music bulldog but bulldog falls over out of the way on purpose accidentally and sid gets a fucking super kick to the face Sid is out. Bulldog pins Sid. Bulldog and Owen retain the titles. Post-match, there's a beatdown from the champs to the challengers, and Owen lands an enziguri on Shawn Michaels that causes Vince to catch his breath because that's the move that knocked Shawn Michaels out that time. Nothing to do with the 84 sailors that beat him up. Uh, And the, the champ and the challenger for Survivor Series left on the canvas at the end of our opening match. What did you make of it, Jack Atkins?
2: Uh, A a decent tag match. I thought the champs looked a bit weak in the actual match, but the post-match, the fact that they left them both laying made them look really strong. Uh, I did notice that uh, the referee didn't try and intervene in the post-match fight. Who was it? El Hebner, of course. (laughs) Um, But the the, the ending was really good because, obviously, uh, as this build to Survivor Series started, it has been Austin versus Brett all the way, which has kind of overshadowed the title. But in the last few weeks, they've made up uh they've made good ground on getting you know oh you know there's malfunctions at the junctions oh sean's got a chair oh he's accidentally hit him this time and i am also excited for this match now because i think they've built it really well what about you
1: i enjoyed it i thought this was a really hot tag match to open Raw, which told a really good story and genuinely you can believe that sid wanted to let sean get beaten up for a little bit because you know they're fighting on sunday So you want him to be a little bit worn down, which I approve of immensely. Uh, Yeah, really good way to open the show. Always nice to have Bulldog in a a pole position on an episode of WWF
2: television. He's like, yes, and I get the one, two, three. So that makes me champions and world champion now. (laughs) And I am also captain of the softball team. Let's go.
1: (laughs) I am now WWF champion, both tag team champions, captain of the softball league and... Uh, regional manager of Xerox uh, in the Yorkshire area.
2: Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm I'm an actor. I'm very good. I'm very good at it. Please come see the film and uh, buy a sausage.
1: <laughs> Please come see Genetula. I play man who's always fucking in it.
2: <laughs> an original part
1: <laughs> in London's glittering West End. <laughs> I'm also uh, I'm also uh, a bus driver, but I haven't got a bus at the moment, so I can't prove that. You just have to tr- You just have to believe me. <laughs> bus driver on his business card. Just believe me. <laughs>
2: I kick <laughs> thumbs up at the bottom,
1: like the fucking fireman Sam logo.
2: Oh yes, <laughs> <Shh>. John.
1: <laughs> fireman. i know a fireman. I haven't got a fire engine or a fire. You'll just have to believe me. (laughs) Bulldog, you'll just have to believe him.
2: (laughs) Oh, God, he's just... It's not even that he did anything this week. We're just so in with him just being from Wigan. That's all the joke
1: is. He's a man from Wigan, and that's just funny. It's funny that he is from the Wigan.
0: That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST.
1: The WWF superstar line. Well, it's the big show. No, uh, Doc Hendricks starts with this lovely log. Well, who will be the mystery Survivor Series partner? Call the hotline and find out. Jim Ross's hotline, not the other one. Not Gene Oakland's. That one's shit. <laughs> call the call the fake call call Jim Ross's one instead. It's much better.
2: Much better.
1: Much better. I see a little out for the superstar line there. Backstage, Sean and Sid have been separated into different locker rooms and they are not having their pudding. They have been naughty boys. But Kevin Kelly will get to the bottom of it and speak to them both individually over the course of the episode of Raw. We then go back to Doc Hendricks, who gives us a full Survivor Series report, and it's only here when you look at the Survivor Series card how many debuts we're actually getting on this show. Oh God, are you? I didn't realise. Like I knew we obviously we know about one of them, but there's loads of other ones as well. And again, they've not highlighted any of these stars outside of saying their names like they haven't really and some of them haven't even had their names said until today so we know that there's going to be a match that features our boy bulldog and owen hart teaming with leaf cassidy and marty genetti and they're gonna face um sorry bulldog leaf cassidy marty genetti and owen hart are gonna face the godwins and the brand new team doug furnace and phil the fun
2: yeah there was a very grainy picture of them and i noticed a new picture of uh Leaf Cassidy as well. So it was just Al Snow as Al Snow with a handle our moustache and his hair tied back. Um, but yeah, Furnace and LaFont, first time they've been mentioned. I think we've mentioned them in the newsletter saying that they would basically...
1: We could have got a better picture of them both.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: What do I know though? What do I know? Uh, we know that Fake Diesel and Fake Razor, the Goutsiders, are going to team with Farouk and Vader to face Jimmy Snooker, Savio Vega... Yokozuna and Flash Funk. Now, now mm. Snooker hasn't been revealed yet, by the way.
2: Yeah, because they say a mystery partner who will basically everyone will glad to see him. um I just thought it was weird that, obviously, like you were saying, this is the first time we're probably hearing a Funk, but just the fact they're like, oh, Yokozuna, it's like, where's Yoko been? He's the f- former two time WF champion. Yeah, he's just there. He's been at the uh, weight Marco. loss clinic. Has that been at this time? Yeah, that's now, not me though? being a
1: dick. He's legitimately been at the weight loss. He's been doing stuff. He's been away apparently doing that, and uh, oh, okay, and, it, and having it, it's it's zero effective.
2: Because I remember the him invader, obviously, because there's the story of them sneaking out at night and eating chicken. Um, what, considering we've seen Vader on TV since then, I, I didn't realise that Yoko was still there. I
1: believe he's still there, yeah. So that one's mm-hmm. still happening. Uh, yeah, I did spoil the surprise there when I was reading out the uh, the card. Yeah, Jimmy Snooker will be the one that we'll see on Sunday. Spoiler.
2: Uh, I'm, sh- I'm, I'm sure there's outrage on the streets of As- Ashby De La I don't know. <laughs> uh,
1: the stalker, Barry Windham, uh, Mark Merrow, Mark Henry, and Rocky Maivia will team up to face Crush, Goldust, Jerry Lawler and Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Now, Mark Henry isn't in a great way. More on that on, on the pay-per-view. Uh, but this is the mm. debut for Rocky Maivia. Mm. About time. And to that end, we finally get a bloody video package about Rocky Maivia.
2: Oh, we bloody do. We
1: finally bloody well do. So let's find out all about this shiny new boy. I'm very intrigued. We'll do that in a bit. Uh, Kevin Kelly is outside Sid's locker room. Oh, because do we actually? It is later, is it? The Rocky V I think? It is later. That's late, fine. Yeah. I was worried I got these mixed up. Uh, Kevin Kelly is outside Sid's locker room. Uh, he seems to be banging his head against the door because you can just hear like this thudding against the door. I don't think Sid's just head butting it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> let me out, I'm hungry. He's <laughs> like, oh no, Sid, come on. I've
1: forgotten how <laughs> doors work.
2: <laughs> mother, let me out. I don't know why. <laughs> why is mother? <laughs> It is I, Sydney. Psycho, and psychotic am, Sydney. I'm in need of sustenance, Mother, or I shall commit
1: a felony. Maybe he's just hungry all the time. Yeah, that's all it is. Isn't
2: Don't he? ask him if he just wants to bowl a rice pudding. He'd he calm right would down. Like, he'd just be Would you there. like
1: a rice pudding? I'd love a rice pudding. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> that's fine now. I feel much better. I only get cross when I'm hungry or tired. Yeah. Alex has pointed this out to me. It was, like a, it was like a door in my brain opening up. Like, I'm feeling really grumpy today. He said, are you hungry? A little bit. Are you tired? I'm very tired. That's why you're grumpy. Fair. What should I do? I, Eat or sleep?
2: I, I'm just like default grumpy, but I do get very hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, only of the morning if we're going out for like breakfast and then, because I'm up. Not Tom Campbell early, but by regular standards early every day uh, and even at the weekend I'm just like write them up and sean's like oh we'll go out for breakfast I'm like cool and then we'll be going out at like half 11 i'm like sean i've been awake for five hours this is not breakfast time anymore i need to eat something or I'll snap someone and then i eat something and then i've already ruined the mood and the day is gone could you
1: have a little bit of toast before you go out
2: <laughs> no i usually i might have a banana mm. but you know
1: i just can't have a little. if we'll go for, if we're gonna dinner for breakfast i'll have a little bit of something first thing in the morning just so I'm, I'm placated and I'm not grumpy. I figure for the good of the day, for the for the good of the atmosphere, I'm just going to ruin my appetite a little bit. Just a little bit? Yeah. For the sake of a, a, a nice time, I'll ruin my appetite a little bit.
2: Just a box of sun-made raisins in your pocket. <laughs> yeah.
1: Weeping as I eat my sun-made raisins. These will
2: have to do. <laughs> I'm so very hungry. The
1: sun are not hitting the spot like I thought they would. Everyone in the advert seems so happy. She seems so happy on
2: the box. S- Psycho Sid had some, and now he's happy, Sid. But I'm not happy, Just Tom. Just
1: imagine Sid eating a little box of sun-made raisins.
2: <laughs> they would look tiny in his hands, surely.
1: Sorry, Sean, I don't know what came over me. <laughs> ah.
2: Would you like a sun-made raisin? He
1: likes sun-made raisin as well. <laughs> I feel much better for it. Anyway, we'll hear from Sid soon. Hopefully he has some sun-made raisins before he mm. starts talking. Mankind in action next, he's taking on Freddie Joe Floyd in a match sponsored by M&M's, Levi's and Whoa, whoa, LEGO Mania. What the fuck is that? Oh no, no, no! Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Do you
0: have
1: a Lego Mania?
2: No. I remember Lego, obviously, but I don't know Lego Mania.
1: LEGO Mania. Um it's when you oh. have a, a, a when when you have a mania towards Lego.
2: Okay. It looked like from the imagery they used, it looked something to do with like a website or some kind of like interactive thing. Uh,
1: I believe it was either uh, an interactive website or a magazine. Oh, I think. I couldn't. Yeah. Qu- I didn't know. I typed in "legomania" into Google, and so many other things come up that I don't think are are the right thing. So I did try and look. Yeah. So if you don't know, then none of us knows, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs>
2: Get <laughs> Barth Lego on the phone. He'll sort this <laughs> for us.
1: Barth Lego, the famous owner of Lego. <laughs> uh, Jerry Lawler decides to go to town on Barbara Streisand here for her new movie. The mirror has two faces, uh, saying that when Barbara looks in the mirror, her reflection is sick.
2: <laughs> yep. yeah. Because I've just I've just noted it in my notes. I just put Vincent King talking about Barbara Streisand and Oprah Winfrey. Okay. <laughs> 'Cause it was just the way it was just like, oh, there's Barbara Streisand in the crowd and like it's like, oh, there's there's Oprah. Oh, I hear Barbara Streisand has a new it, it felt like one of those that like you say that the even though this was a pre-recorded episode of Raw, they'll drop in things to make it seem more current. And they thought, what can we talk? Let's talk about Barbara Streisand.
1: Yeah, they go, whatever's new. And it just happened that this new rom-com was out from Barbara Streisand. So that that, that was easy pickings for them. Uh, it is an American mm. rom-com produced and directed by Barbara Streisand, who also stars in it. Uh, it's loosely based on the 1958 French film Le Mille des Faces. That's what it's called. It's not me just l- doing lack of research. <laughs> Le Mieux. That
2: was a perfect if I close my eyes, it was like Sasha Distel was in the room.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the film also stars Jeff Bridges and Pierce Brosnan. Uh, and focuses on a shy, middle aged professor who enters into a platonic relationship with an unlucky couple.
2: Okay, so that's the story. I, I, I thought you were going to say a shy middle-aged professional who enters into a relationship with Pierce Brosnan, <laughs> <laughs> with hilarious
1: results.
2: <laughs> but it's tough, and Pierce Brosnan—he's just screaming at her in sunglasses for an hour and a half. <laughs> it's the Pierce Brosnan
1: uh, from uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs>
2: just with lemon juice on the back of his head it was
1: (laughs) today, bye (laughs) fluting. you must keep the lemon on your head at all times anyway Mankind and Freddie Joe Floyd have a scrappy brawl of a match Uh, Mankind hitting Mm. a pulling pile driver and the mandible claw to get the win sadly not as competitive as Freddie Joe Floyd's first match with Mankind which Mm. I really felt that was a great little coming out for Tracy Smothers getting a lot on it's almost as if they were told right focus on getting Mankind over don't get Freddie over
2: yeah, because getting beginning of this, like you said, it, it was scrappy. It, it didn't feel like there was much flow to it. It felt like they were both bit off. The pull and pile driver, nasty looking. Um, And we saw most of Freddie Joe Floyd's arse. Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, just a squealing mandible claw, just meat and potatoes, wasn't
1: it? Mankind's still covered in dirt. Have you noticed this? No, I didn't notice that. Actually. His outfit still looks very dirty, from as if like he hasn't had a wash since the Buried Alive match.
2: Yeah it's good it adds to the character i hope that mick foley had washed but it's good that his uh attire was ragged let me put it that way uh,
1: mankind's music is cut off by the undertaker's theme and flashing lights and then from the top of the arena that bloody fucking effigy of paul bearer is back inside the cage and it comes down from the ceiling i will say it looks much better this week yes they heard us actually... talking it looks better
2: I wonder if you know you say the way that they chop and change the uh, order around after they've shot it. I wonder if they filmed this bit initially and then the bit that we'd already seen a few weeks ago was later in the tapings, if you get me, because it had clearly fallen in the cage.
1: <laughs> I, I, it could have, it, it could have been. I don't know because just the fact that his face had more. Design to it than the first one yeah the first one just had like a like a sad face drawn on in crayon whereas this yeah. one has like almost like a Paul Bearer print on the face
2: oh actually yeah and then the first time we saw it it was unveiled wasn't it by the executioner who still looks really upset with this gimmick every time you <laughs> I see think him i would be as well
1: <laughs> as this effigy uh, hangs in the air undertaker through the speakers speaks and says creatures of the night Exchanging glances. Glances. (laughs) This Sunday, a new age of darkness begins. At the Survivor Series, the only thing to expect is the unexpected. Tiny Toon Adventures, come and join the fun. And now my song is sung. And for you, Mr. Bearer, you could take a long, hard look. Uh, this is the only beginning, only the beginning of your torture and torment. You poor, unfortunate souls will never rest in peace. The Undertaker quoting Oscar Wilde and Ursula from The Little Mermaid for us today. <laughs> I, li- I like how Undertaker's very spooky messages of death are just littered with pop culture
2: references. I hope that next week he, he quotes Bram Stoker and uh, G- G- Genetula. Genetula.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a great idea. Better than my idea, which I'll tell you the next week's one will be Creatures of the Night, you were only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. <laughs> I do hope he quotes Jeanette you <laughs> creatures of the night why is that butcher still in the background we've asked him three times to move <laughs> that's about me that just, is
2: just hey, go on that's
1: <laughs> yeah, about me the butcher <laughs> Undertaker will return at Survivor Series with a brand spanking new look Buzzing for it. We'll see it as we do a retro reactions to Survivor Series on the Cold Twilight Classic Raw review and next week.
2: Also, I did go on. Oh, I was gonna say, I did try and find out with watching any clips or anything. I did try and find out if you'd have new music, but I couldn't see. So, mm. uh, we'll uh, we we'll wait in here. What did you, th- as you were saying, what did Tom? you
1: think of Mankind and Freddy, which we've talked about there? But what did you think of the Undertaker segment?
2: uh it was cheesy it was pure bollocks but i enjoyed it it's 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 a weird feud in that when they meet in matches it's really um brutal and obviously the build up to buried alive was quite dark with them both digging graves and then this week they've gone oh let's just make it a bit shit again <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's terry gordy with an axe um but I, It'll be a good match. What about you?
1: I thought it was fine. It's 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 yeah. over. The- I just think it's just funny how all these little references are being chucked in to the yeah. uh, to these Undertaker skits. <laughs> Keep them coming.
2: He's, he's up there in his like dark gothic library. He's just like, oh,
1: <laughs> creatures of the night, warp five, Geordie. <laughs> The Hall of Fame inductions are announced for Survivor Series. We can now confirm mm. that Killer Kowalski and the Valiant Brothers are going into the Hall of Fame. How lovely for them. I didn't know that Killer Kowalski was called Killer Kowalski because he tore off Yukon Eric's ear.
2: No, I just assumed he was called Killer Kowalski because he's got a killer toupee on his head. He <laughs> <It> really has. <laughs> it's amazing. But no, that's... Uh, I, I, I will plead my ignorance. I've never watched a single Killer Kowalski match in my life, but I know obviously he's very important. Helped train Triple H, um, helped train Mass Transit, which he didn't, but Mass Transit said that he did. Um, So, well done, Killer Kowalski in 1996. Well done. We take a look
1: now at one of the debutants for Survivor Series 1996. Finally, after weeks of appearing on telly with no real uh, announcement or build-up, we're getting a look at Rocky Maia Villa. Look at this. Bloody Fresh out. out of the USWA, where he competed as Flex Kavana.
2: Rock, Such a good it's name. A
1: great name. Great name. It's a great name. Better than Dwayne Johnson. Ugh. <laughs> Don't worry, we've got a better one. Here's Rocky Maivia. We get video footage of him training at the Titan Towers gym and throwing some moves around in the ring. Did you recognize who the move dummy was for the video, Jack Atkins? It
2: was Dr. Tom Pritchard. It
1: was Dr. Tom Pritchard. And Dr. Tom Pritchard, one of the first people in history to get the now-named unofficially laying the SmackDown DDT planted on him.
2: Yeah, I noticed that one and it it showed some crap top rope chop twice as well. Yes,
1: they they love that chop so much they made him do it a second time. Also, yeah. nice little suplex from outside the ring as well. So Dr. Tom's doing his job there. I like him. Yeah. Uh Kelly Kelly Kevin Kelly asks Rocky how it feels to compete or how it will feel to compete at Madison Square Garden. Uh the Rock said right now several times and then said I'm so jacked I could do it right now.
2: This is a He was very Low energy as well. Oh, I, mean, I like... know, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: You could barely power a light bulb with the energy that The Rock has given off here, a.k.a. Rocky Maivia, not The Rock yet. How dare we? Uh, Rocky then talks about his grandfather, High Chief Peter Mayavia, and his father, Soul Man Rocky Johnson. And we get clips of him inducting his dad into the Cauliflower Alley Club hall of fame mm. and we don't really see stuff these days about the cauliflower alley club on wwe television but it's certainly still an institution
2: oh god I, yeah and this is part of the after WWF went public and got as big as it did where it became very insular and it was just like we only mentioned us on tv nothing else exists which i i find a bit sad but it's it's nice that they showed this here uh cheesy music playing but the rock you know it even though he's not the rock yet, he still looks like it. Obviously, he looks like him because he is him, but you know, he's he still dresses the same, a, a little more low key than obviously when he's like nation rock and corporate rock, but he's still got that same kind of flair for clothing. So it's it's embryonic. It's embryonic.
1: I don't plan on getting by by my heritage, says Rocky Maiavia. Yeah. <laughs> Go back to Flex Cavana going- then, dickhead.
2: He's very white meat, isn't he? He's like, oh, he's give 100% respect is give when it's earned. It's like, oh, fuck off,
1: Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. We hate this Rocky Maivere. the worst, the, the worst version. But hey, from tiny, tiny seeds doth mighty trees grow.
2: Well, yeah, because he says uh, he wants to look back at this period in five years and make sure that he always gave it 100%. I'm just like, five years time, 2001. Fuck me, mate. You don't even know.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: back to the arena we go. Sid is pacing the corridor. He punches a bit off screen and the lid bounces into shot in a bit that made me laugh far more than I realized it should have done. <laughs> it's
2: like he, it
1: was like he would punched a robot off screen. <laughs>
2: just like I dislike you R2D2. <laughs>
1: that's it. It was R2 D2. He'd punched R2 D2 off screen. Watch it back and see if you find it as funny as I did. Because it's the fact that Sid completely disappears from the shot. You hear a bang, and Sid walks back on and then this bin lid just rolls into shots. <laughs>
2: he's he's a handful when he's hungry, that's Sidney. He Sydney, certainly he? is. Oh. Give him a Snickers
1: immediately. Or a marathon, as it was called then. After the Big Bang Boom Tour advert, Kevin Kelly does interview a very angry Sid. Sid doesn't think Sean's kick was a mistake. He's given the benefit of the doubt to Shawn Michaels until tonight. He says, mistake or not, there'll be no mistake at Survivor Series, my friend. No whispering from Sid here, and I was fine with it.
2: He said, I I really like this, actually, because he... He sounded imposing, but he was also composed because he said, um, at Survivor Series, HPK will step off the mountain. Sid will step up. No man shall cast a stone to knock me down. I was like, oh, that's quite like conqueror language. Um And I found him quite th- frightening. And it was, I think it's the only good Sid promo I've ever
0: heard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well done, Sid. Like, You've made it.
2: Yeah. You'll go far in this business, so I'll just stick for having.
1: Uh, back we go to Steve Austin, who is next to a black curtain, soaking wet. He's holding a T-shirt like it's a towel. It makes it look like he's been swimming. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Especially in those little trunks. In of the us.
1: trunks with no knee pads. It looks like he's been for a swim. <laughs> I went and did well, yeah, the breaststroke. What? The backstroke. What? Front crawl. What? General Splash! what Butterfly!
2: Well, as we'll see in a few years' time, he does enjoy swimming.
1: <laughs> does enjoy swimming. <laughs> swimming in beer. Uh, oh. uh, he tells Bret Hart to watch what happens to Bob Ollie. because afterwards he's going to find Bret and get the shit out of him. He's <laughs> continuing to tease the fact that once the Bob Oli match is done, he's going to walk backstage and just beat up Bret. Uh, this is the most interested I've been in a jobber match in some time. Well done to Steve Austin for making Bob Holly look like a star, even though you're basically saying, I'm just going to kick the fuck out of him and go find Brett.
2: Yeah, because I, I I can't even remember the last time we saw Bob Holly. Probably when one 2 three, Kid was still in the company, who you knows? It's
1: been a while. <laughs> uh, the Karate Fighters Tournament continues. This week, it's Doc Hendricks taking on Sable. Uh, Sable shows more affection for her karate fighter than she ever did Mark Merrow.
2: But I've put here with the charisma of a roast bug, And then he... <laughs> Jerry Lawler's is just like, obviously we had, you know, Jim Cornette making a, a, a bad joke about her on superstars and Jerry Lawler here. So it's cause they say it's the battle of beauty versus the beast. And he says that Sable's a beast. And after she cuts his promo, King says he's going to fall asleep. I want to say that these knocks from like Lawler and corner and that they're probably just thinking already, I sh- they probably just think she's a bit of an arsehole is what i'm getting from this
1: it's yeah i because the moment that sable turned up jerry lawler was just like oh she's ugly she's boring it kind of makes me think that he's just negging her yeah, because yeah. she's not interested in him in any way and and she's a little bit older and he's not that interested and so therefore i'm just gonna just gonna rip her like she like he did a laundry blaze Yes, it's similar energy to that with Jerry Lawler from here. Anyway, Sable does win the match. I know, you, I know, you all know who wins wins the Karate Fighter Tournament match. Uh, Sable wins. Doc asks for a rematch, which leads Jerry Lawler to say, "There's, there's Doc doing what he does best, begging a woman for something."
2: <laughs> I did laugh at that but That was a
1: good line. That was that was a good line. Uh,
2: I, I, I yeah, because then did you get the line from um, another good singer from Lawler as we as this segment ended? When he, Go on then, well,
1: Tom. When uh, when Todd Pettingill says, stand by for something interesting happening next week and Jerry Law goes, oh, are you going to do something? Are you, are you doing something new next week? So what's that? Something interesting? I think I butchered it, <laughs> but it's of that ilk. It was good. He,
2: he, he was on form this week, Jerry He Lord.
1: was very good this week. Uh, to the arena, we return. Kevin Kelly is chatting to Shaw Michaels, who looks like he has legitimately just been for a swim because he's wet and he has oh, a yeah. towel on. I think there was a <laughs> swimming pool, maybe next to the arena. And when the wrestlers weren't wrestling, they were going down the sw- they were going down the slide.
2: Vader wasn't allowed in, though. No. Uh, <laughs> he was like, "Oh, please, I've got my own cosy and everything." <laughs> he was like, "No, go away, Leon. Leave me alone, Leon. I'm trying to sleep." <laughs>
1: <laughs> Kevin Kelly uh, is chatting to Shawn Michaels Sid and Sean have always had conflicting personalities uh, everybody wants to knock me but everybody who's knocked me has had their teeth kicked down my throat uh, down their throat says Shawn Michaels and these are no- these are also lovely little little nods towards little nods towards Brett again
2: yeah, Brett
0: gets yeah.
1: a shoe in in general I think during and is, this is he-
2: He's really fired up, HBK. He, he had a proper intensity where you could tell he was probably pissed off of everything that press has been saying, which is understandable.
1: Very much so. Uh, he ends on by saying that he's sick of caring about who likes him in the WWF. And he tells Sid, with that chitty you're sporting, I can hit it anywhere from Madison Square Garden.
2: I thought this was fantastic. Brilliant. Fired up, pissed, pissed, HBK is brilliant. It seems like everyone in the company is a bit more aggressive. It's almost like they've all found their attitude, but that's for another they time. They found their new generation
1: uh, era, you mean?
2: <laughs> but no, I I like the fact that this has gotten, this feels more personal than even like, because when we had the Bulldog Sean saga, even though Sean's good name was being sullied, he wasn't this Angry about it, he was just kind of like, oh I'm a nice guy, really, but I'll beat you." But this time, he's just like, "Sid, I'm gonna fucking knock you out, you big <laughs> I'm just like, "Yes," and and now I really want to see this match as yeah, well. Yeah, they've they've, so hey, they've think,
1: done well in selling us on the pay per view.
2: Very well, yeah. They've they've course correct. It's not even that they've course corrected. They've they've helped get more of a shine on Sid versus HBK. That I think was missing for parts of this build, but it's yeah, really good.
1: Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin in action next. He's taking on Bob Holly. Jim Ross joins them on commentary for a good old moan. Turns out he had lunch with Stone Cold today, so we're, we're kind of painting this picture of Jim Ross having a a closer than normal relationship with Steve Austin. Yeah, uh, Austin uh, Austin had whatever he wants for lunch. Is what we learned uh also austin made it clear in his chat with jim ross that he was looking past bob holly towards bret hart and jr says that's a mistake i wish i was sat next to them at the table during this lunch i imagine steve austin sat there in his pants just ordering a shit ton of food as jim ross eats a big old steak and austin goes don't care about bob holly and jim's going now steve you should care about no don't you shit
2: Now, Steve, I hope you're not going to go swimming directly after eating this lunch. (laughs) Yeah, go straight, straight away. But you might poo in the pool. Don't care.
1: No one makes. (laughs) No one tells me what to do. Steve Austin, (laughs) fuck the rules. I'm going for a swim now. He leaves like a pork chop hanging out his mouth. (laughs) Running, (laughs) running round the pool, holding scissors. No one tells me what to do.
2: I'm holding scissors and smoking <laughs> at the centre,
1: we splash into the pool, just eating a pork chop while swimming very quickly in the pool. Besides
2: hurting, not bothered though. I... Someone we'll found me a woman so I could do some of that heavy. <laughs> How
1: long can I have the floats for? Ten minutes. it minute for eleven. <laughs>
2: Will everyone with a red band please leave Fuck the pool? Off.
1: Fuck your band. <laughs> you know, you'll keep the red band on, uh, Mr. Austin. Uh, that's the red band called. Cool. Don't care. <laughs> don't tell me what to do. I'm oh, Austin, you've been in the pool for half an hour. Yeah, i can stay in 35 minutes. I'm going to have five more minutes. I don't care. Wank. Don't care if my skin's gone all wrinkly. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Mr. Austin, we need you out of the pool because uh, we're going to put some chlorine in. Yeah, just put it in. Oh wait here. Yeah. In fact, give it here, I'll drink it. No, don't drink. Don't drink it. I oh, told me not to drink it.
2: Jim comes running in, just like, oh, Steve, come <laughs> here, come here. No, I told you me not to out. drink the chlorine,
1: I'm gonna drink it.
2: Fuck the rules! Would you not rather would you not rather have this frosty beer instead, Steve? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> chlorine! Alright then. Right then, I'll have this beer. No, Steve, I want the beer now, I've changed your
1: mind. <laughs> You've got to, there's a certain way you have to talk to Steve Austin. Austin, you can't have this frosty beer. You have to drink the chlorine. No I want the beer then. Thank you, Steve. Now you have to stay in the pool. No one get out. Because deep down, Steve Austin's character is he's a complete cunt. <laughs> You've got to trust everybody, Steve. <laughs> Steve, whatever you do, don't trust anyone. Right, I'm gonna trust everyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that guy over there says he's got some puppies in his car. I'm gonna gonna go see him.
2: Do you say puppies or puppets? Both. <laughs> <laughs> puppies and puppets.
1: <laughs> it's a very big car. <laughs> They're kept separate, so the dogs don't eat the mannequins. So punch and duty don't get eaten by the by the labradors. So
2: That's
1: uh, what the man tells me.
2: So, so, so Jim Ross had lunch with Steve Austin. Then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at which point
1: there was an eclipse. I'm gonna look at it. No, don't look at. No, I'm gonna look straight at it. <laughs> Just go outside to look straight at the eclipse, Jim. <laughs> don't, because <laughs> you'll <laughs> Don't you care. Don't care. Doing it.
2: I'm having ice cream for a starter. <laughs>
1: No. That's that's the true spirit of Steve Austin. What'd you want for, uh what would you like for starters, gentlemen? Pudding <laughs> Uh no, it's from the start No, pudding! What sort of pudding? Just this is the pudding? All of it? All the pudding
2: as a starter. Can I have, a, can I have the pudding de jour, please? <laughs> <laughs> Today's
1: pudding de jour is Angel Delight. <laughs>
2: Yeah, fine. That yeah, could be all of it. All of it. Yeah,
1: all of that instead, please. Thank you. <laughs> he'd, have, he'd hate Little Chef.
2: Oh, God. Want, yeah.
1: Okay, okay. Welcome to Little Chef. What would you like for dinner this evening? Breakfast. Yeah, that's fine. What? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. We'll do an all day breakfast. No, no, I don't want breakfast then. What do you want? Uh, pudding. Yeah, we'll get you a pudding. That's fine. What? Why are you being a great... What do you want? Uh, tire. <laughs> Want to eat
2: a tyre? Well, we'll see what we can do, Mr. Austin. No. No, go no. get one now. want to eat it. Just sat
1: there <laughs> Begr- <laughs> begrudgingly eating a tyre.
2: Do what I want, mate. Yeah, just... <laughs> I love this. It's my favourite. thanks.
1: You've not cooked it very well, but I'll, it'll do.
0: <laughs> I, love... <laughs> I love Steve Austin.
1: Anyway, uh, Bret Hart is watching the the match go down on a little monitor in what looks like a burnt out little shed. It's not the most glamorous of locker rooms that he's in, but that's Bret Hart. He's just a working guy. JR then reveals a tough man competition for next week. I don't think there is particular rules to this. I think it's just how they're billing the match. Because next week, hmm. Steve Austin will face Vader one-on-one. Wow, okay. <laughs> a beast of a match, that is. Yeah. We'll have it. We'll have it every day. Uh, Bob Ollie tries to come back, but this match is all Steve Austin. Anytime that Bob tries to get a bit of hope in there, it's immediately snuffed out. We go to a break mm. where we get, oh yes, a brand new Steve Austin video ahead of Survivor Series on Sunday uh, in which Austin is in a uh, is in a warehouse in black and white still. And he looks down the camera and goes, yeah, I'm going to have angels of light and custard as my main course. <laughs> what of it? <laughs> See, that zebra crossing 60... over there.
2: Going to go over there and cross there instead. I'm not a boy, Brett. I'm a I'm a, a rule-breaking boy. Break all the rules, mate. Uh, I I'm meant to be home for tea at seven o'clock. <laughs> I come in at 10 past. <laughs> See, his library book, Brett.
1: Went to Medica back yesterday. Still got it. Might take it back yeah. Thursday.
2: Might <laughs> throw it in a bin. I haven't even My, read it. Might, might have a it, shit on it. Fuck it. <laughs>
1: See this, Brett? Green cross Code. Fuck that. Rips it up. <laughs> gonna wear,
2: a, and gonna wear is, a seatbelt up my arse. This podcast is still while Roar is 45 minutes. Wait until it's two hours long.
1: <laughs> there was a comment made on uh, the last podcast, the last long-form full-fat podcast that I was on hmm. in which somebody said like thing is when tom's on here he takes a joke and he he just rides it and rides it and rides it until it's not funny anymore and i was like you haven't even heard the raw review
2: it's yes because i don't think fans is the word but we we, we are appreciative of too many cooks
1: <laughs> We are,
2: which, which as we know stops being funny becomes very frightening and unsettling and then somehow becomes funny again that's how
1: we roll on this podcast fun frightening then fun if you can make your way through the woods then you're treated to uh you're treated to a paradise on the other side (laughs) anyway this new steve austin video austin's great here pink tights they say a ballet class sunglasses and sparklers what a load of crap Stokehold's gonna make your comeback a living hell. I think you're completely pathetic, son. You're gonna you're looking at the best there is. Austin three sixteen rules. I'm gonna pe- kick your pink and black ass all over the garden, and I'm gonna throw you into the rockery. Uh, I, <laughs> I may have made that last bit up. I'm gonna hit you with a garden gnome. Ah, uh, oh, this was great. Just just Austin, and I think it's a lovely contrast to. 20 minutes before, where it's Brett going, yeah, Steve Austin's the best. He, what he does, I want to come back and fight the best. He's got a skill set. And there's Austin just going, your clothes are shit, your shit, fireworks are shit, I'm gonna shit on you. <laughs>
2: And I a th- a think, especially with the Brett one, it's it's almost like what the story is in hindsight, where it is the convergence of two generations, if you know what I mean. Because in the Brett one, it is showing the clips of Brett from his pomp and, you know, in full color with sparklers and little kids. And then it is cut into the black and white of just skinhead in black Steve Austin with a dog just saying, I'm just going to I've got to slice you up, you little prick. <laughs> it's. Fantastic. I can't wait for this match. I've said this many times on this podcast, but I think it's going to be gold. It's going to be very gold. Back
1: to the match, and Austin is clattering Holly with what JR calls a Luthers press. Have hmm. we had it name checked as a Luthers press yet?
2: No, because he's taking the piss out of Vince here for always calling it what a water maneuver and all this stuff. But he's—it's the Lou press, press. But he hasn't uh, talked about the piston right, right hands. No, yet. that's
1: true. Uh, then Vince yeah. does mention the right hands, and Vince goes, "Oh, I know what that's called. That's called a right hand." And JR goes, "Oh, surely it's called a oh what a maneuver." Which <laughs> is good.
2: It's brilliant. I like the fact that he's just fully taking the piss out of Vince. Do you do, do you think
1: it. this is why Vince was always so fucking awful to Jim Ross in later years? Because do you think Vince McMahon was like, all right, I'll let you take the piss out of me on commentary for most of 1996. I'm keeping these receipts. I'm going to come back in a bit.
2: But hasn't he already fired and rehired Jim at this point?
1: Yeah, he has. But I think he sees yeah. it as on screen. He's owed one.
2: Yeah, potentially. I, I mean, Vince McMahon is a, a petty man. They don't call uh, him petty
1: that. Wayne Throp for nothing. <laughs>
2: They do not, Tom. They do not.
1: <laughs> we mentioned on the SmackDown review, we just had an episode of, of the SmackDown where it threw back to Raw. on. In, this, was, this would have been February 2002 where Booker T beat Triple H with a sneaky roll-up. Mm. And and I said to Matthew, I said, I bet that that's why Trips beat Booker at Mania 19. It was like, you owe me one from 2002.
2: 100%. Rest-
1: 100%. Uh, One more attempt for a comeback from Bob and it's shut down and Austin wins with a stunner. One, two, three, and he is done. Austin rolls straight out of the ring and heads straight to the back. He goes right up to Bret Hart's locker room door and goes to open it, but then says, oh, no, 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 no. If you want to watch me beat up Bret Hart, you're going to have to pay for it. At which point the door just slightly opens, proving that it's not locked. And Austin can just walk in. He chooses not to.
2: Yeah, and it's just like, oh, you'd like me to do this, wouldn't you? You'd like me to go in there and be... I'm not going to do what you want me to do because I'm Steve Austin, and I, I, I make my own rules because I'm a shitbag. He's, he's
1: doing exactly what we said he does. Do you want me to beat him up? Yeah, well, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Steve, don't not beat up Brett.
0: Uh.
1: uh, uh oh. Oh. Okay, or not. Oh. Uh. I
2: fit... I feel no, sick. He just vomits. I need to sit down. I feel sick. He's got his head between his knees. just going, oh, God. I don't know
1: what, to, I, don't know what I am and not to do. I am Bret Hart. No, don't I'm not. Don't not beat up, it... Bret. Don't not. I should, but then I shouldn't. But they're telling me I shouldn't. Oh, no. Shit. He just goes really quiet. <laughs> and then just just, when no one's looking, just sort of very meekly picks up his bags and just walks off.
2: In the background, just walks past Bulldog trying to sell liver in the street. He goes, I don't
1: want any liver. Oh, that's better. Oh, it's good to be back.
2: He's like, oh, I've got more liver than Rick Flair. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, My liver's liver. better
1: than Rick's. He's drinking a lot in the 80s.
2: <laughs> Steve Austin's like, drinking a lot, you say. Oh,
1: hmm. I bet you'd like <laughs> me to drink. Or I won't. <laughs> Yeah, just gets thirsty like SpongeBob.
2: I'm <laughs> just imagine an alternate timeline where after each match, Steve Austin gets on the second rope and someone just throws chicken legs at him <laughs> and he just eats chicken in the ring. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's a good old fashioned chicken bash with Steve Austin.
1: <laughs> there's us be spraying the ring with chicken. <laughs> So what would the Kurt Angle in the, in the universe what would Kurt Angle do in 2001? Vegan chicken.
0: <laughs> corn! Oh my god! Corn! <laughs> it's <cruel. laughs> corn. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you think of the final third final stretch before Survivor Series? Uh
2: It was a good go-home of an episode. Apart from the opening match, the id ring was basic enough and special. But the opening match was very, very good. Um, But I do like the fact that the three main matches for this are HPK versus Sid, Mankind versus Taker, and Austin versus Brett. And all three were pushed hard. So job done and we also got the the other fillery bits but saying there's the traditional matches there's a load of debuts doc Hendricks looks like he's about to have a heart attack see you in the garden <laughs> what about you Tub? what were your thoughts uh, the two
1: matches they're pushing the main two matches which is austin and sid so austin and brett and then sid and sean wonderful build wonderful yeah. build like like not too slow not too quick they've told a really nice story nothing's overlapped. It's been really nice. Uh, I'm genuinely buzzed about the Survivor Series card more than I have most WrestleManias. No.
2: Yeah. It, it. I think this is the show uh, since we started doing these. This is the uh, premium live event or pay-per-view that I've most been looking forward to. Uh, apart from it WrestleMania 12, but that was just for Goldust versus Piper because I love that match because it's fucking stupid. <laughs> so. But I am genuinely, really looking forward to this one. Uh,
1: and we will watch it next week. Retro reactions to Survivor Series 1996 with Jackie Orlando and myself. What are you working on in the meantime, Jackie?
2: War Jackie? Oh, just just news on cultaholic.com, really. um, there's We've just had Wrestle Dream, which was a weird show I felt everyone's asked me what I thought of it and I found it really hard to concentrate during that night shift um and I felt the first half of it went by very fast but it was all very good and I don't know how I feel about the Edge debut oh. what did you think of WrestleDream like Edge is one of my favorites of all time but there's something that just felt odd about it I think it's the fact that we have never seen Edge anywhere else before just felt a bit oh that's oh that's weird. It,
1: it's funny because I think it was just the case that he was just planted in AEW, like entrance, yeah, theme music and all. Uh yeah. and so it did feel strange. I I I he doesn't feel like he fits there yet, but I kinda like the fact that he mm. doesn't. I feel like he feels a bit like an interloper, which I think is a nice story that you could probably tell if you wanted to. Yeah. Um this is probably by the time you're hearing this, this is probably very common knowledge. But do you know who does you think you know me?
2: It was uh, the Glamour's and Beth, Beth
1: Phoenix. Phoenix. Who does that on Edge's mm. theme? That's quite exciting. Yeah. I thought the pay per view was too fucking long. Mm. I was. It, they all are too long. If they're gonna go to twelve pay per views a year, AEW, which is the rumor at the time, fine, but make them shorter. And even yeah. though, like, it wasn't like it was still a long show. It wasn't as long as some had been, but fuck you, dude, will do fourteen matches.
2: Like, Christ. even the pre-show is an hour and a half or usually yeah. an hour. And I was just like, oh. And, and with no
1: disrespect to either of the competitors, did we need Claudio Castagnoli versus Josh Barnett chuck- just chucked on for a laugh?
2: Yeah, I, I liked it, but yeah, it just, if, if it wouldn't have been on the card, I think it would have made much Ricky difference. Ricky Starks
1: and Wheeler Utah, we didn't need it. Like, there's two you can lose I already. Think,
2: yeah, I, well, I, I think Starks needed a win on pay-per-view, so I understand it, but yeah, it didn't feel... But like... It, it, like, Kingston versus Shibata felt like it went really quick. The women's match felt like it went really quick. What was the opening match? MJF versus The Righteous went by really quick. And I was like, oh, bloody hell, this is hurtling it's through. It's pacey, but, but
1: they're, you know, because they obviously they're keen to not make it as long as some shows have been. But it still felt long hmm. because of it. Yeah. Make the show shorter. Do more of them so everyone gets to go on pay-per-view. It's what WWE do right now. And, it's, and it works a dream.
2: It, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's that's what I'm on this week. com and uh, the whole podcast every Wednesday. What about- uh,
1: by now, you should have heard uh, the a first on Desert Island Graps, in which we have all three members of subculture at the same time. So oh, wow. we have Flash Morgan Webster, Mark Andrews, and Danny Luna, all sharing uh, their stories on the road to becoming subculture, and their each their three favorite wrestling matches that they would watch. Stranded on a okay. desert island. Uh, look out for more Impact stars in the road on the road to Bound for Glory and the UK Invasion Tour, which is uh, uh, still ridiculously something I'm a part of, unless you know otherwise by now. Uh, we spoke to uh, now former Impact star Sammy Callahan recently great to have a, a nice chat with Sammy just a few days after he was uh, he became a free agent so we talk about what he mm-hmm. has planned and uh, and and some of his proudest moments from his time and impact so that was really good as well loads of other good stuff coming up that you're going to hear over the coming weeks and months so if you're subscribed to the podcast feed you'll get them as they pop up on the feed and for the latest wrestling news throughout the week you can check out cultaholic.com as Jack Atkins says uh, he is at Brad Atkins on twitter I'm at
0: Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: We're out ColdHolic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. I've got more thighs than Ric
2: Flair. Uh, go on. Steve Austin said he's not eating them. I said they were free, and he said no. He insisted on paying me, but I don't have my bum bag, so it's... <laughs> Right, I'm going to eat them then. Do you, do you want They're raw. Yeah, that's yeah, how I, I like them.
1: <laughs> Don't love you, bye. Uh, hate, hate, you, hey. yeah. <laughs> hate you, hello. Yeah. Hate you, hello.